1: Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Toyo Open Country AT3. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com. That's the way tire buying should be.
0: All right. All right. This is, this is the Doug Gottlieb show. Here's in the bonus with Doug Gottlieb. Woo!
1: What up, Doug Gottlieb show? In the bonus. Fox Sports Radio, iHeartRadio app. Welcome in. Um Did you guys see sports last night? I hope you're nodding your head and say yes. And I would tell you, like you had three different sports going on at once, right? College football, where Houston wins their first Big Twelve game on a hail mary. This after giving up a touchdown with 14 seconds to go. Which I mean, it's if you're West Virginia, that's fucking embarrassing. How you lose? You can't lose that game. Can't lose that game. And against your former head coach and Dana Holgerson. I know none of those guys are around when Holg- Holgerson was the coach. He's probably got to be fired up at least 10 Red Bulls by now watching that tape. Um, then you had major league baseball's playoffs where Philly eliminates Atlanta and no city has embraced the you all hate us. Fuck you more than Philadelphia, right? Like the players are like that. They all walk around like it's baseball. And they all walk around, Nick Castellanos walking around like he's the cock of the walk and whatever. And then you had Russell Wilson. And I would say this, I feel like what I'm watching from Russell Wilson is like when you go to a summer concert series and somebody who you haven't heard of or seen and hadn't put out a new album in, a, in years comes out and you're like, ooh, yeah. I saw 50 cent in Israel, not this summer, the summer before. And it was cool. I remember that I was, um, um, I had a, I have a buddy who lives in Israel who, when we were getting ready for the trip, he was like, Hey dude, 50 cent is playing like the second night you're here. Will you be up for going? And I was like, yeah, And I'm going to bring my daughter Harper traveled with us. She, she rode a uh, equestrian in the Maccabi games. These are like the Jewish Olympics. And so I had to kind of talk her into it because she's like, I don't know who Fifty Set is. You know, so I like she's like, "Oh, I, I know that song into club, but I don't know. Oh, oh, many men. I know many men. Um, So we went and saw him in concert and. It was fine, right? Everybody calls him, you know, 250 instead of instead of 50 cent. I mean, he was he was definitely not in the type of shape he had previously been in. And he was sweating and huffing and puffing, and the show was was good. I mean, it was cool to say we saw a a, a guy that we knew perform a hip hop concert in uh, in the arena. I forget what it's called where uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv plays. Like it was cool to say he went, but it was a little bit sad, right? That he was going to a place that they all knew his songs, but he hadn't put out a new song in years. And I'm sure when you go see people in the summer, you see that as well. That's what it's like to watch to watch Russell Wilson play. And this is the opposite of what we said about the Houston Astros yesterday or the the New England Patriots. Like, it's okay to question or to invalidate the Houston Astros World Series win over the Dodgers because they were cheating. On the other hand, you have to admit it's a hell of a team and a hell of an organization to have six other years of championship series now under their belt, which proves they are really good. It wasn't all a factor of cheating. Same thing with the Patriots. With Russell Wilson, when you see a guy drop off that quickly and when he's suddenly out of Seattle, now all of a sudden, I don't know if it invalidates all that he achieved in Seattle, but it definitely makes you question how good it was in Seattle. Like, did, did anybody else have that have that thought when you're watching? Like, was he not good? Because there were years. I don't know if you guys saw this. I remember, uh, I'll credit Ryan Rossillo who's a good friend and does a hell of a job with his own podcast. Ryan and I were at, I think I was still at ESP. I was at ESPN at the time. Russell Wilson's rookie year. Everybody raved about Russell Wilson. And I'm not looking at the stats because I remember it because Ryan brought it up. It's like, everybody talks about how amazing this guy is. He had nine games. I believe it's nine games of throwing for less than 200 yards. And yet, we were talking about Seattle's offense when the reason they were so successful with him as a third round pick was their defense was just dynamic. That Russell just didn't lose the game for a couple quarters. They'd put him in position and then he'd run around and somehow they'd win a game late. Like that was the thing, but it became like, wow, Russell's a superstar. And I never really bought into the Russ is a superstar, uh, but he kept finding ways to win games. And so you're like, okay, well maybe, maybe, my view of what a superstar is, is completely skewed based upon stats and not wins and losses. But when I watched yesterday and I'll also admit, boy, Sean Payton, I mean, you talk about an error that I don't know how, when you've been a head coach as a decade for a decade and won a super Bowl, to call a timeout with 14 seconds to go in the first half, whatever it was in the first half, like, what are you doing? What are you actually doing? That, of course, gave the Chiefs more time, more life. They completed a couple passes. They kick a uh, field goal. instead of So instead of being down 10 nothing at the half, you're down 13 nothing at the half. And if you keep in mind, they lost. It was it 16-8 to win the game? How different is that game if they don't give up that field goal? So it also makes you think a little bit differently of Sean Payton. Like, dude, you can't. Was Drew Brees the whole reason there? Was it that you're in the Dome? Was it Mickey Loomis' personnel? Like, what was it? But when I watched Russell Wilson last night, I was a little bit nostalgic and a little bit sad. You know, it's like going to watching the Beach Boys now. Like, ooh, the Beach Boys. Like, yeah, it's not really the Beach Boys anymore. Or, um, I tried to get uh, my daughter Grace to go watch Allison Chains, and people who are Allison Chains fans know this. I didn't know it. Like, Dad, you know the lead singer died, so it's not really Allison Chains. I think that's Allison Chains. Is that right?
2: Yeah, he died of heroin. Oh. Yeah, he's one of the few rockers that have died to heroin.
1: <laughs> Sublime too, right? Didn't didn't uh, Bradley die of heroin too? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, that's what it, that was the what the, the the Russell Wilson experience was like. But what a night in sports! Right? You got Philadelphia saying "F you" to everybody, and it just kind of works for him. And you go from like I kind of like this. I love the uniforms. I love the attitude. I love a couple of the, they're like kind of under, not as flamboyant, but really cool bat flips. Crowd goes crazy. The, the Nick Castellanos pointing to his son, like all that shit was really cool. But you do know they're obnoxious. And now the players are like, yeah, we're going to be obnoxious too because our fans are obnoxious. And obnoxious is Philadelphia. Philadelphia is no longer a city of brotherly love. Philadelphia is, we're obnoxious. And if you don't like it, fuck you. That's Philadelphia. I don't know how West Virginia... I was, I've was. i never been a fire Neil Brown sort of guy, but damn, how do you lose that game? Like They got a chance. They just beat TCU on the road. They beat Pitt this year. They got a chance to save this dude's job. They score with like 14 seconds to go, and then you lose? And we all point out the Hail Mary, but there was a completion before the Hail Mary as well as where the kickoff went to. Like all of those things. You cannot lose that game. Can't do it. And then... Watching Russell Wilson was like watching somebody who was famous in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, who's put on a bunch of weight, lost their voice, and goes out there and tries to belt out Mandy like they're Barry Manilow in the 80s, and it's just not the same. It was kind of sad.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of The Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to tireact.comslash sports to see the Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's tireact.comslash sports, tireac.com, the way tire buying should be. Let's get to what the Fox says. And now. <laughs> Every day this time in the bonus podcast, we play for you a previous portion of a show on Fox Sports Radio or Fox Sports 1. We call it What Does the Fox Say? This is Dan Patrick talking about Deshaun Watson.
4: If I go back to last Sunday when he was medically cleared, but then his coach said that Deshaun Watson chose not to play. I said at the time, I've never heard a coach do that. Normally, you're going to cover for your quarterback, but to say he chose not to play And I go, I don't know if this is a story or not, but, you know, once everybody started picking up on it, then they had to start answering questions, and they didn't do well answering questions. Because if Kevin Stefanski doesn't say that, then maybe I just look at this at face value. Deshaun Watson has a banged-up shoulder, a shoulder contusion. He chose not to play. Now, in that sport, then we have some real questions. Wait, he chose not to play? Everybody chooses to play. You're going to have to take away my helmet to get me out of the game. Here's Deshaun Watson not playing. And then apparently not playing this weekend against the 49ers. So now it feels like there's something there. I mean, you're stuck with the contract. So there's nothing you can do about that. And yes, I've talked about who he is off the field and all the things that uh, you know surfaced. Um, I wouldn't want him to be my quarterback, but my job is to look at what he does when he's on the field and he hasn't been good, but I never questioned his toughness before.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, there's a lot of things have been questioned about Deshaun Watson. His toughness is not among them. And I, I just think there's a, there's a bit of a disconnect here in that <clears throat> if we listen into what Kevin Stefanski said, it's accurate. He is clear to play, but he is his own best doctor. I don't do, I don't like Jason likes to say this, and I think it's great in this context. Both of these things can be true. It is a horrible contract, not just because he's not as good as the contract says he should be. And because of the baggage that he brings with him from Houston, but also because in a sport where you have no idea what a guy's going to look like year to year. And we've seen guys drop off the, you know, just completely you know, drop off in terms of being a top five, top 10 guy. We saw it last night with, uh, with Russell Wilson. Why are you giving a guy that's why you don't give a guy five years guaranteed. That can be true. And yet on the other hand, you can still say that Deshaun Watson has every right not to play. If his shoulder doesn't feel right, right? That's his, that's his mechanism. That's his weapon. That's how he, is able to play his position. And if it doesn't feel right, just because you're cleared doesn't mean you should play. And I know that sounds hard, especially because I'm somebody who's a, I don't like guys who sit sort of guy, but I also do understand there are times in which sit there and go like, it just doesn't feel right. And if I don't have this, the right zip on a ball, well, it's not going to come out right. If it doesn't come out right, it's going to get picked or it's not going to have the same effect. So I actually, I'm okay with Deshaun Watson sitting. I am. And the contract is is still an albatross and an abject disaster. It was before this, and it definitely is with this. This is Jonas Knox and Brady Quinn talking about the Notre Dame-USC rivalry and, of course, the Bush push that Brady was part of. We've got USC-Notre Dame. I scoured the Internet to try and find what the
5: betting line was from the Bush push game because I know for a fact I bet Notre Dame getting points at home and I don't know if this is right, but this is what i found in a couple of different spots. Brady, you guys, if you had to guess, how big of an underdog oh. were you in that game against USC? If I you think we were guess. like four or six points, somewhere in there. Because you were – what were you ranked? Um, I don't in, know. Because I know that you guys, after that game, I think you still were in the top ten. I think you were ranked ninth in the country, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm not okay. mistaken, I think – I looked this up. I don't know if this is correct. It seems wrong. You guys were 13.5-point underdogs in that game. That, mm, it feels like a lot, but it, it may have been that much. That Who is knows? wild to think how people felt about that USC team. People <laughs> don't understand how dominant USC was back then and just how Pete Carroll had them rolling. Like I, I mean, the, the closest thing to it right now is what Kirby Smart's doing at Georgia. Like, this is two decades later, and this is the closest thing that I think you can compare it to. And and obviously, Kirby Smart's doing it, like, the Georgia way and his way. It's very different than how Pete was, like, embodying L.A. and the hype and the crowd and everything else around it. But that's, like, the closest thing right now. If Georgia three-peats, like, we haven't had that in college football since Minnesota in the early 1900s. Um, I... I-
1: I went back and watched that game. It was, it's was it been playing on a bunch of different networks over and over again. And what I had forgotten, what I had forgotten was that the game was over and then they put time on the clock before the bush push. Uh, it was a spectacular game. It was such a good game and so competitive. If you remember, Charlie Weiss got a contract extension that next week after losing that game. Right? It was Notre Dame pushing all their chips in, going, going all in on it. And oh yeah, by the way, while Charlie Weiss now is not revered as a head coach, that was a magnificently coached football game from Charlie Weiss's side. They were not nearly as talented as USC. So there was a lot to that. Um, I remember 1995, the fall, that was my freshman year at Notre Dame. I think that might've been the first year they put lights in, or that's when they began to put lights in at Notre Dame stadium. Like there's so many things that people don't really realize about sports now and we take for granted, you know, it's like, uh, but college football, that that's as good as it gets a historic rivalry, a historic game with historic players in it. And Oh yeah, by the way, I know Brady and Leinert are doing some things for this weekend's game in terms of look backs and they did it in their letterman jacket. I I think it's, it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. This is, um, Colin Cowherd talking about Russell Wilson.
5: Some issues in the NFL are very easy to see. And when you have a star quarterback, it's even easier to see your issues. Kansas City's offense is struggling. We know it's not Andy Reid and it's not Mahomes and it's not Kelsey. They need another receiver. Rasheed Rice and uh, Kadarius Toney, it's just not good enough. Now, again, they'll get to the playoffs. They'll win their division. They'll probably end up in the AFC Championship. I, I don't think this receiving core can be to San Francisco or Philadelphia. I don't. Uh, so but it's pretty easy to see that. Uh, Denver's issues are more complex, or are they? The defense has fallen off the ledge, probably got to spend a lot of draft capital on defense and get a new D.C. But Russell Wilson is an enigma. He's only 34 years old. He has no major injuries. He is a ghost of his former self. Listen, you can in the Denver media, it's not Russell, it's not the offense. Yes, it is. When you trail 13 to nothing and you know it's over it's the quarterback you wouldn't feel that way with Josh Allen Jalen Hurts
1: no he he looks washed and if you lose Colin Cowherd and you're Russell Wilson if you lose the support of Colin Cowherd that means you've lost all of America right cuz there's never been there has not been a guy on national sports radio or sports television who's been as supportive of Russell Wilson throughout the years as Colin Cowherd. Now, granted Colin clearly has a very good friendship with Sean Payton and he has never uttered a bad word about Sean Payton since Sean Payton worked for Fox and they became friends last year. But I I don't think that he's speaking lies here. He just lost it. Whatever he had, he does not have anymore. And this is what it looks like when you lose it. You know, We remember Jason Kidd's last playoff series. He was playing for the New York Knicks. Couldn't make a layup. Jason Kidd is a great player. Like, when we talk about the greatest point guards in NBA history, he should be in that discussion. And yet, when it was gone, it was gone. Russell Wilson's ability to play at this level is gone. Can he every once in a while dial it up? Sure. But you're talking about 17 games when you're making a... Uh, you know, over 10% of the salary, uh, salary, I think it's for 15% of the salary cap. That's the level you perform. It's just not good. It's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. And the margin for error becomes more slight because of his size and the way in which he played. It's a cautionary tale to so many who are at that size. You know, it's Bryce young at the beginning of his career is seeing some of this, right? Where, where, you hear people say, well, he's been this size forever. Yeah, but everybody around him is way bigger. Everybody around him is way longer, way faster. Uh, but for Russell Wilson, I just think we can all say he's cooked. That's what the Fox says. Ah! What does the Fox say? Let's find out who or what's annoying Jason Stewart. And now it's your
2: annoying. <laughs> Hey, Doug, the, um, Matt Weiner did something last night. I think you've talked about it on the show. You know, you talk about your um, your time at ESPN and how you guys would, would meet with somebody who is an expert in interviewing. I forget his name. He was mentioned in the uh, ESPN book. What was his name?
1: Uh, which one?
2: The uh, guy that taught you how to interview over at ESPN?
1: Uh, John Sawatsky.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think Matt Weiner came up through ESPN, he so did. I'm not sure. Wine,
1: Wine Dog was at ESPN when I was there. Yeah, Good I'm dude. not sure
2: why. Maybe he missed that day of school. Um, <laughs> this was him with, with uh, Nick Castellanos after the game.
1: Nick, nobody in Major League history has hit two home runs on back-to-back postseason games, but you just did, and you guys are headed to the NLCS. Where's the question in that? There's no question. Well, thank, thank you for telling us. I thought it was awesome. I mean, like, look, Wine Dog should have asked some form of question with it. And it's one of those, you get a great stat and you're like, what do I do with this? And I think he didn't know it. And, and in fairness to Matt, he's not going to turn down the assignment, but for the last, since he went to Turner, he's been a studio host, right? He rarely does sideline. And, and I know like all of us sit there and go like, how hard is sideline, right? Like, coach, what do you think the first half? Coach, what are you going to do the second half? Thanks so much, coach. Right. But that's an incredible stat. So the the question should have been, how do you explain that in the hundred plus years of major league baseball history, no one has done what you just accomplished, right? All you have to do is throw in a, how do you explain or what does it feel like to be the guy who, whatever he screwed up. And I actually credit for credit cost. like one, you can take it, And answer however you want when there's not a question. You're right. That is anti-Sawatsky. You always have to ask a question. Um, Open-ended, neutral, no double-headers, no trigger words, whatever, all those other stuff. Uh, But I would also credit uh, Matt by he didn't – I mean, I'm sure he wasn't happy how it came out, but he bounced back from it really quick. There was no question. Just want to tell you.
4: But
5: by by the way, I watched that as well. That was the first of – many other questions that was pulling teeth out of Nick Castellanos. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just that one. It kept going. That was just the one we played for you. I, the whole interview was very odd.
1: Well, so. what happens is that was early in the interview, right? That, that was the, the first, first question. One. Yeah. It's, it sets it, it sets a tone about the interview, you know? And he was obviously, Castellanos was kind of being a dick, right? You can help a guy out a little bit. Yeah. He was being a dick and like, look, here's the thing with Philly. Those guys are dicks. They're assholes. Okay. Okay the whole city is a bunch of assholes and they know it and they like embrace it. And they, they do this Philly against the world thing where we're like, we can be assholes to everybody. And somehow it's our thing. It like works for us. I mean, like they made a huge deal over the the dude from the Braves making yeah. fuck- Arcia, yep. Ar- Arcia, uh, attaboy. What did not he say? Attaboy, attaboy Harper. Yep. Right. Harper fucked up. By the way, the Braves being defensive about like, oh, it's some sacred clubhouse, dude. You had reporters in there. What are you talking about? It wasn't that big a thing? And they used it just like Deion Sanders and made it personal, whatever. You know, if you strike guys out, none of that shit fucking matters, right? How about we don't give up gopher balls to the same guys? I don't. I mean, I mean you know. And by the way, if you don't like it, throw it in his ear hole. That's how baseball works. Rush him back. Exactly. Like this is it's big boy baseball. I thought the Braves embarrassed themselves. And I think the Phillies just embraced this. Like, this is how we think our city wins. Right. So it happened with the Eagles, right? Their coach has become a cartoon character. I mean, he was the most meek dude ever when on his first press conference, then all of a sudden he drank some, some Philadelphia juice. And now he walks around like he's a WWE character. Like this is Philadelphia. So yes, the interview was uncomfortable. Yes. It set a tone for it. But part of it was Castellanos is walking around. Like he's some tough guy asshole. when, the greatest part was his son was at the game for the first time since the summer. And he points at his kid. That's where you should have started. Like what's it like to hit, but you're, I don't know if you know this. You're the first player in major league history to hit two home runs in two consecutive games. And then your son was here to see it. What's that feeling like of touching home and pointing at your son? Like, these are the questions you ask. So I would say Ramos in defense of Castellanos, who was acting like an asshole. The the first question kind of puts it all in a different kind of tone and context. What else?
2: So, um, I'm not going to be talked off of this. I know there are a <laughs> lot of people that are just saying that people like me are whiners or whatever you want to call me. But oops uh, the top the top five MLB teams in baseball this year are eliminated, and they won one game and lost thirteen oh. in 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 the uh, divisional round and wild card. Um, to me, that's just a bad. <clears throat> Excuse me, bad luck for the sport. So, um I'm not just whining about it. I want to come with with a solution. And Bob Costas did a Q&A with the LA Times this morning. And this might be the best solution I've seen. He says that the the uh, division winners and the top wild card should get like the first couple days of the playoffs off. They earn that. That's the record. But the other three wild card qualifiers play like kind of like a play-in tournament with the NBA, where you play one game, do or die. If you win that one game, you play the next team that earned the right to have that one game by with the best record. So basically, you have two days of wild card round. And then you go right into the uh, division series and you make that division series a seven-game series. Um, I think of everything I've read, that's the best solution. So um, for the sake of this segment, I'm annoyed that we are not going to see the best representation of baseball in the championship rounds. And I commend Bob Costas.
1: ratings are going to get killed. by Going to get killed. Slaughtered. Right? Right. No Dodgers, no Yankees, no Red Sox, no Cubs, no Cardinals. You know, sorry. You know, if you think people didn't care about baseball before. You know, wait till now. And baseball and and this will be. So what you'll hear from baseball guys, oh, Gottlieb's just. No, no, no. I actually think the sport is healthier than it's been in a long time. One, because um, the new style and the new rules make it way more watchable. Way more watchable in the regular season and thank frankly in the postseason. It's exciting. Um, and I agree with you, there's gonna be some tinkering with it. And what I like about the shortened wild card is what it does is it takes away your ace from starting twice in the next series. So I I agree with that. Um and what we have what we have done, and I don't know if people realize that they've done it, is when you create a longer wild card series it allows people to use their ace in the first game and then use their ace in the first game of the next series. So it, there's, there's not really any sort of kind of punishment for finishing down the ladder. So I agree with that idea. I just, I think that what they got to do is they're going to probably lengthen this, the DS series to seven. And then, yeah, I mean, if you, if you do the wild card thing, I got, I got no problem with that. And again, the, the goal ends up being now I, the reason I think they went away from the one game deal is, is one you make more money, and two, they don't. It's not a secret. They need the Red Sox and the Yankees, you know, and frankly, Dodgers, Cubs. They need those teams to be in the playoffs and to be in the playoffs a long time. And the the the, the overall feeling has always been, the more games that are played, the more likely it is that those teams that have greater depth of talent because they spend more money will be around, and that hasn't worked out this year.
2: So we talked about this on the radio show. But real quick, Jerry Judy um, had, a, had a moment. He had an opportunity at the end of last night's game. You know, the Steve Smith comments made made its way through Twitter and it became a big deal. And I don't expect Jerry Judy to care or know about that. But what I do expect them to do is to, like, seize a moment and then just kind of nip it in the bud. Like, what Jerry Judy needs now is... Um, he needs like a crisis manager or just somebody in his agent's office that has a an education and pu- publicity or something to be able to handle this. This is not how you handle it. Let me, let's play an, an example of how not to handle a situation like this.
4: Jerry uh, a little bit of drama before the game with Steve Smith Sr. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that right
2: now. Man that was a tough loss man I feel like at the end of the game I feel like we could have we could have got there but you know, they had a, a good drive at the end. Jerry,
1: Steve Smith said he had some kind of conversation with you before the game. Did, did that not go well, or based on what he said on air on NFL Network? Uh, I, I don't remember that, um, you know, but like I said, you know, we, it was a close game. We just got to finish at the end of the game.
2: So, so that's how you handle it if you're like a 12-year-old and you try to fool us into believing that you don't remember stuff and you don't address it. I think the uh, the mature thing would have been in that situation. Um, Steve Smith was a great player. I respect him a lot. Um, it's my goal to prove him wrong, what he said about me. And if we had an awkward moment before the game, then I take ownership in that and I apologize.
1: Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know if you have to go as much as apologizing, but I do think that to act like, look, the first thing is, I actually agree with Jerry Judy in that right after a game, the last thing you want to talk about is some beef you had with this, with a sideline analyst or whatever before the game, you know, it just, it, it's just a weird transition, right? It's like, we get done with the show. If it's a really, really big show. And, and again, I know a show is not a competition, so I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to, but then you go like, Hey, remember before the show, when we were talking, we have a conversation like, no, I really like right now, I'm just thinking about what we just finished. So I actually do understand that now, as far as owning it, I mean, look, if you're going to pop in behind a live shot, if you're going to run your mouth to Steve Smith, who is a great player, uh, then you had to back it up. If you're going to walk, if you're going to talk it, you got to walk it. He didn't walk it. And that place, Jerry Judy's entire act is annoying. Is that it?
2: Matt Weiner. Oh yeah. (laughs) MLB and Jerry Judy.
1: I think Jerry Judy's, anno- Jerry Judy's annoying because I, and, and this is where I, I'm starting now to think of side. It became what the whole pregame was about, right? It became kind of a sideshow and to perform as poorly as their offense performed, their past game performed, and to live down to the reputation of he's just a guy. And then, and then to avoid it afterwards completely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to Tyreq.com/sports to see their Bridgestone test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's Tyreq.com/sports. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Let's welcome in Bill Krakenberger, a professional sports better, along with Jeff Schwartz and Brian No, He co-hosts Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, which is presented by BetMGM every Sunday morning. Tune in Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern to take you all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, presented by BetMGM. Crack. Let's uh, let's get to some of these uh, Sunday NFL games. Um, where we got an interesting slate, right? Uh, you have the game overseas. Remember. Uh, Baltimore travels there, as well as the Tennessee Titans. And uh, th- this is a game played in London. The Ravens are a four-point favorite. The total's only 42. What do you like? I I hate these 6.30 a.m.
3: games. Uh, it, it doesn't really get do it for me. But, I, I mean, I like, I like to talk about them live on air. We don't go on until 7 a.m. But here's a situation where the game opened up around three and a half, four. It's still 4.00. That's the line. But, however, lots of you mentioned the total, lots of action on the over there from 40 to 42 uh, for most of the sports books uh, that, that I'm looking at here in town. Of course, I'm in Las Vegas. And um, I actually lean to the dog there. Listen, I, I understand that they haven't been, uh, you know, lighting the world on fire last week. Baltimore probably should have beat Pittsburgh last week. So, uh, but I still I, I can't lay points here we don't we don't know what's going on uh, you know across the pond there we just don't know the situation what's going on in camp and stuff uh, I say in camp and training camp or there they're doing when they train during the week um, I don't know how the team is really training how they travel they uh, you know so I kind of probably gonna stay away from the game because it's such an early game but if I was to lean anything there I would say Tennessee all
1: right crack let's get to some of the uh, domestic games that you won't have to wake up out of your slumber for uh- uh-huh. Um, let, let this one strikes me as super interesting. Uh, Washington taking on Atlanta. Atlanta's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is 42 and a half. This is
3: actually – I'm glad you mentioned this game. Lots of people are talking about this game because, I'll tell you, um, you would think Atlanta-Washington, eh, cut two boring teams and stuff. However, lots of action on this game. I talked to one of the bookmakers in town here. Right now he has a six-figure side on, on Atlanta, so he needs Washington. You just don't know where you're getting with Washington. Washington almost beat the Eagles. So if you think about that, they probably should have beat the Eagles. They probably should have went for two points. Always always in a road game like that where you're a big dog, you're supposed to go for two points. You're supposed to go for two with 30 seconds left, whatever, when you have under a minute left because um, you're looking to steal a game on the road. Then the next game they come out and lay a total egg versus Chicago. Unbelievable. Um, that, that Washington was so embarrassed at home versus uh, the Bears, which were, you know, we thought was the worst team in football at one time. And, you know, teams get better throughout the year, too. They're not always going to be that bad. Um, Atlanta, another team. All the wise guys at the beginning of the season, they all thought Atlanta futures were great. People were betting them. Two different groups I know bet, bet Atlanta to win literally uh, even the Super Bowl, which that, that looks like a bad bet now, but even the, the, their division, their conference, and Atlanta kind of came out a little bit flat. Nothing special here. Nothing special. This game, if this if the line on this game was three, I would think more. Whenever I see minus two and a half, it just think what the public thinks. Oh, it's under a field goal. I got I, I got I to bet Atlanta under a field goal. I mean, they, they just have to win the game basically. I would lean Washington in this game.
1: Um. I I'm with you. I I think Washington's a little bit better than uh, even their record would present itself as obviously they, they at some point got to protect their quarterback. Who's on, who's on pace to lead the the world in times being sacked. Um, Jacksonville returns from being overseas for two weeks and the last game being successful. Now they're taking on an indie team that probably with Gardner Minshew, probably more likely to win games than they would had had they had the rookie starting at quarterback and they get their star running back back. Jacksonville's a four point favorite at home, forty four and a half to the total. Who do you like?
3: You've hit on one of the games that I actually bet. I like Indy in this game, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Jacksonville just came off some nice performances. Of course, they beat Buffalo across the pond, and uh, you know they're looking good coming home. You think this would be a great spot for Jacksonville? Well, I love when someone thinks something's going to be a great spot for Jacksonville. Uh, for a team like that, that's maybe a, you know playing in stride a little bit, um, it, it reminds me of like the, the Rocky movie when uh, you know like literally Apollo Creed overlooked his uh, opponent of Rocky and just said, "Okay, get me a cup of coffee, don't worry about it." And yet, yet the coaches said, "Oh my God, just be careful, of this guy. You better come and see this guy." And and that's that's exactly. The way i feel here i think jacksonville is going to overlook this team uh i definitely like indianapolis in this spot with the four
1: points let's go to detroit taking on tampa uh tampa record wise one of the surprises although haven't played the toughest of schedules but they're coming off a bye week uh, against the detroit team that little bit banged up but uh, living up to the billing as a team to watch this season detroit on the road is a three-point favorite and the totals is 42 and a half
3: yeah, I, I like Detroit on this game. I, I actually bet it here in town. This is a rare game, though, uh, Doug, that actually went against me. I laid three points. It was the only three available here in town, and it was all three and a half or three minus twenty, three minus thirty. Now uh, a group came in against me on Tampa and took Tampa, uh, and the line is now literally three everywhere. There's no three and a half left. But I like Detroit in this spot. Um, I, I kind of think that Tampa. You know, they, they listen. I, I understand that. There, you know, no Brady, no more. People look forward. People said, oh, my God, they're going to be terrible this year. And they came out pretty good with a couple games and were competitive. I think that Detroit really, though, is is one of the top. I put, I rate each team. I have Detroit around number five. So I think Detroit is just that much better of a team. I don't like land points on the road, but in this spot, I do like Detroit.
1: Okay. Let me ask you about two double-digit favorites. And they're, it's not like it's 10, right? Like, Cleveland's a 10-point dog. Carolina's a 14 point dog at Miami. And the Giants, who just announced Tarod Taylor is going to start against his old team, they're a fifteen point dog in Buffalo. Of those two double digit underdogs, who do you like? Listen, I I I can't
3: whenever I think of the New York Giants, I think of Danny Dimes getting four years, 160 million. I want to know who his agent is. He should be arrested. I mean, it's unbelievable. So I, I don't mind that he's not even playing. I really don't. Uh, 15 points is a lot of points for any NFL team in any spot. I'll never lay double digits, especially laying more than two touchdowns. Just basic strategy. Just pure basic strategy over the, since there was a sports betting on NFL, taking teams that are 14 and a half point or more is hitting almost 60%. You don't have to know anything. I don't have to know a player. You don't have to know anything about the game at all. Basic strategy. I know Buffalo is, you know, rearing the comeback here after being embarrassed for a Jacksonville. Um, I just think 15 points is too much for any team. It's actually some 15 and a half. And you know what? Two years ago, there was the Giants played Denver, and there was another game. Both, both, team, both that week. I don't know which week it was, but there was two
1: 15 point
3: underdogs. They both won outright. So listen, this is the NFL. Anything can and will happen at any time.
1: Bill Krakenberger, he's awesome. Follow him on social media. And, of course, if you just want to listen to him on the radio, uh, that would be your best bet. He's a betting analyst, and, of course, uh, you can hear him with Jeff Schwartz and Brian No, Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM, every Sunday morning, including this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, to take you all the way up to kickoff of those games while covering the game in London on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, presented by BetMGM. Crack, thanks so much. Good luck this weekend. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's it for the In the Bonus podcast. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is In the Bonus.